Pablo for breakfast. Loving this first headline that we're going to talk about. The taste of kale makes unborn unborn babies' faces even grimace. Yeah. This is incredible. This, this is interesting because basically the, the research behind this and why this even became a topic to talk about <laughs> was that it was really around the impact of what a parent, you know, what a mother is eating wow. and how the child that's in her stomach actually responds to that food. So the study looks into the facial responses of a fetus. Um, and what they found was that the fetus actually shows a crying face when their mother eats <laughs> kale. When the mother ate carrots, the face seemed a little bit more relaxed and even a bit smiley. So it was really about the facial expressions of a fetus who's getting hit by bitter or non-bitter taste and then responding to that, which is a completely new piece of research from Durham University. Um, and it really looks into, you know, taste-related chemicals from, you know, 14 to 24 weeks. It's pretty incredible. Not even unborn humans like kale. I mean, this is, yeah, I this is groundbreaking, right? Yeah, and the interesting thing about it as well was that the vegetable consumption by the mothers didn't differ. So it's not mm. like the, the, the fetus was grimacing because there was extra kale than would normally be consumed. It was the same consistently across all of the mothers. Yeah, it, it is fascinating. And I guess, you know, it, people always say that often when they're, they're pregnant, you know, they, they don't crave vegetables. They want to eat all that healthy stuff, but they end up going for the, the hot chips, you know. So uh, feel better. At least your baby's probably smiling then. Yeah, right. exactly. And, and they did a frame-by-frame analysis of the facial movements of the fetus while the, 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 the mother was eating these things. So it's pretty amazing. Uh, now, what's happening in the churches? Because I believe there's some sort of sham, shamware, is it called? Yeah, shameware. So basically, this is a, a problem for a number of churches in the U.S., whereby the church has actually asked their congregation to install what they call a shameware. I mean, shameware, it's not obviously called that, but it's basically an app that gives detailed reports to the the church elders of the digital activity of the congregation. So this is everything from what they're browsing on the internet to the hashtags that they follow, um, you know, flags, certain websites that they might visit. Um, and, and basically uses a spectrum of apps. Um, and, and, you know, this has been a, a really controversial situation with a number of congregants actually leaving the church, mm. saying that they felt shamed, that they felt humiliated, that they weren't being trusted. Um, and not just them, but also just in terms of how the apps are being used. I mean, we've seen um, Google, for example, remove these apps from their stores because they are, are seen as um, and as being really provocative and, and you know, in, you well, know, sure, it's a huge data privacy. breach. Yeah, huge privacy well, risk, data breach as well. People... Sort of. The the issue with it is is that the congregation get asked to download. So it's not, they still have to have accessibility permissions and that's where it's a little bit of a grey area because it's not like the church is installing it on their phones and not letting them know. They're asking true, true, the groups true. to do it. So, so it's, And it's also about shaming the groups into dropping habits and, and talking about immoral activity online. And, I mean, that, that is a very vague term, right? What the, What's immoral to one person might not be to another. And then whether it's illegal, that's a whole nother ball game. So it's really about the spectrum of activity and what the church deems um, as, as okay. Uh, now, 
this week's been a big week. Let's talk about space for a second because uh, the dart knocked off the asteroid uh, the, yesterday. Pretty incredible. Yeah. But the, the, there was a, a piece in the, the news that, that they were talking about where the, you know, it's just the rubbish is heading down into space. Uh, you guys looked at the, the rubbish that's left on Mars and apparently there's a, a lot up there already. Yeah, so we've um, so humans have been exploring Mars um, and had a number of different a range of efforts over the past forty six years, um, but what we're seeing is that the impact of, of that um, is actually leaving debris behind. So what they've found is that there's nearly over fifteen thousand pounds of debris left behind on wow. Mars so far, um, and that's a mix of discarded hardware, crashed space craft materials Mm -hmm. and inactive spacecraft materials so what they're finding is that it's debris left behind um, from a a landing for example Um, the person's entered and passed through the atmosphere you know so there's a number of different things that get discarded um, you know behind them so it's really about looking at you know the form of trash that's left behind and the impact of of that of the, the surface of mars yeah, I mean, we just seem to we destroy everywhere we go, don't we? And we uh, we definitely leave our mark. Yeah, hundred percent. And the, the NASA is concerned that mm. the because of these um, this, this debris that's left behind, that it's going to risk current and future missions. So we just need to be really mindful of that. And also, there's the threat of contamination. True, true. Uh, if you want to find out more, jump online at thebigsmoke.com.au. No longer need to eat kale, especially if you're pregnant. Great news for everyone out there. Uh, Alex, we'll catch up next week. Thank you. Pablo for breakfast. Triple M.